Welcome to the Say Yes to Holiness podcast. I'm Christina Simmons, your host, and thanks for joining me today as I seek to inspire, encourage, and accompany you on the journey towards holiness by sharing food for the head, heart, hands, and feet, so we may grow closer to God, become more like Jesus, and through friendship, discover the life God created us for, lives of purpose, peace, and abundance, rooted in the hope that with God's grace and mercy, we can become the living, breathing, wonder-working saints that the world so desperately needs. Welcome to episode 158 of the Say Yes to Holiness podcast, where in this episode, I am speaking about kind of some challenging stuff about if I become a better person, in other words, will being better make me happier? There's all sorts of studies that have been done about how it is that success does not equal happiness. So a lot of people will be kind of, you know, looking at the spiritual journey, especially in our needing to do the work to become better people, to become more like Christ and kind of go, well, why? That's not going to necessarily make me happy. But the fact is, is that Jesus shares like in the Beatitudes are, you know, the, the guides for us to become happy. And a part of that is about us becoming better. Now, this is always a tension of our striving to become better. And, you know, it's not about us being self-reliant. Rather, it's about us doing the work that's necessary so that God, through his grace, can transform us. And that is what makes us better. But in the process of becoming better, are we becoming happier? And that's where choices come in. So choices are what I'm talking about. And we'll go into a little bit more. So enjoy this conversation and see you on the flip side. Hello, Christina Simmons from Say Yes to Holiness here. And if you're enjoying this on the YouTube channel, make sure to give that thumbs up, subscribe so that you get notifications anytime that something is posted or I go live with my weekly show. And if you're listening to this on the podcast, also make sure to subscribe so that you get notified anytime a new podcast episode is dropped. So without further ado, I want to continue the discussion about whether being better is going to make me a happier person. And here's some food for the head, heart, hands, and feet to help you with that. Our food for the head comes from St. John Berkman's. And he says, our true worth does not consist in what human beings think of us. What we really are consists in what God knows us to be. Let me say that again. Our true worth does not consist in what human beings think of us. What we really are consists in what God knows us to be. Since this is a little shorter quote, I thought I had that time to be able to really reflect or to emphasize what St. John tells us is that our true worth is not attached to what anybody thinks of us. I know this is really difficult 
for us, and I know it is for me even, uh, to remember that my worth is not because of what someone thinks of me, but rather it's because of God, who God knows that I am. And we've got to understand this. We've got to internalize this even more so that we can live it out each day. And I think one of the biggest things is that we forget in our do-do-do society uh, that, you, you know, because our society only values you because of what you do, um, that we forget that it is by being that our worth is truly found. And that is, again, we have to internalize this. We have to really work hard to make sure that we are staying rooted in this idea. And that goes back to this whole concept that we're talking about, which is if I'm becoming a better person, is that going to make me happier? Or if I become better, then I am happier um, is a different way to look at it. So I think this, you know, food for the head really gives us our starting point. Jesus gives us in his Beatitudes about the fact that if we are poor, then we will inherit the kingdom of heaven. And the kingdom of heaven is all of what will bring us true happiness. I know that many times it's hard to struggle with that because we have kind of these misshapen views of what heaven looks like or what heaven will be. But heaven will be the fulfillment of our deepest desires. It will be the fulfillment and the enjoyment of all that we enjoy and love and the people and the things that we love to do and be with. All of that will be a part of heaven. But most importantly, it will be unity. It will be we will have found our true home. And how can it be that the poor would inherit the kingdom of heaven? Why would Jesus tell us this? Because we are poor when we realize that we are only what God has created us to be. And God knows who we are. He knows that we are not the sum of all of our actions even our thoughts, even our words. We're not the sum of that. Rather, we are the sum of who it is that he made us to be. He formed us in our mother's womb. And this is where I'm going with this point, is that if we understand that our contribution to this world is not because of what we do or what we say, but rather our contribution is because we are. But we are only because God created us. Therefore, we are creatures. Now, we are marvelous creatures. God doesn't create junk. He creates marvelous works of art and beauty. And we are reflections of that. We each are a marvelous work of beauty. We are marvelous creations. But when we realize that we're creations, not the creators, then we become poor. 
we become humble because we realize that we are nothing without God. But with God, we are everything. This is why our true worth is not in what human beings think of us, but rather it consists in what God knows us to be. And God knows us to be marvelous, marvelous creatures who he loves beyond measure. So the next time that you're thinking that you have to prove or justify your existence or you have to show that you're valuable or that you are precious remember the sparrows don't worry about this and yet God cares for the sparrows he makes sure that they are cared for we are worth many many more much much more than sparrows so remember that your worth is what God knows you to be and God knows you to be a marvelous creature of beauty and so much potential and that is your true worth our food for the head comes from Saint Damien of Molokai he says Jesus in the Blessed Sacrament is the most tender of friends with souls who seek to please him his goodness knows how to proportion itself to the smallest of his creatures as to the greatest of them. Be not afraid then in your solitary conversations to tell God of your miseries, your fears, your worries, of those who are dear to you, of your projects and of your hopes. Do so with confidence and with an open heart. Kind of following that Beatitudes theme, you know, if we are living out the Beatitudes, then we are becoming better. And if we're living out the Beatitudes and becoming better, then we are becoming happier. They are the key to happiness. So how does this whole blessed are they who mourn for they will be comforted work? Do I have to be sad? Do I have to not be happy? No. Rather, all comfort comes from God. All comfort comes from Him. But we have to be willing to share how and where in our life we need that comfort. Now you might be saying, Christina, God knows everything. Why do I have to tell Him? Because God will never presume or act upon what he already knows. Just because he knows that you have suffered a loss or are struggling or physically suffering, for example, he's not going to presume that you need help with that. He's not going to presume it. Rather, he awaits us. He awaits our direction as to how he can help. Now, one of the great things about the divine physician is that if we show him the wound, if we show and share with him our struggles, then he will heal it in the sufficient way that's necessary for us to be able to bear it. Does that mean it's going to go away? Not necessarily. It might. God does miracles every day. But we have to remember that 
God is awaiting our invitation. He's awaiting us to invite him in by telling him about all of our miseries, by telling him about all of our fears, our worries, our anxieties, telling him about all of our dreams, our projects, our hopes. He's waiting for us to share that. And the best way to share that with him is to spend time with him. Spend time with him. And then in confidence and openness, show him your wounds. Show him where it is that you need to be comforted. Share with him how you are mourning. I know that's hard because we keep all of those things close to our vest, don't we? We don't want people to know that we are vulnerable or that we're weak or even that we need help. Especially in America, it's the very idea of the self-reliant you know, person and you never turn to anybody for help because then you owe them, right? But that's not what's going on. Our Lord simply asks for you to spend time telling him and unburdening yourself of anything that's weighing you down, anything that's wearing you down. And this is how being meek and obedient, we can enter that land of comfort and joy and peace. So blessed are the meek, blessed are those who mourn for they will find comfort and the meek will inherit the earth. And in that we find peace and we find joy, even in the midst of the things that are so difficult in this world. But if we tell God of them, if we spend time with him in the blessed sacrament, then he is that most tender of friends if we're trying and we're seeking to please him, then his goodness is in proportion to the greatest of his creatures. And we are the greatest of his creatures. We are marvelous creatures. So remember that. Spend time with Jesus in adoration or before him in the blessed sacrament. Tell him about everything and allow him to heal. Allow him to comfort. Allow him to carry what it is that has become unbearable. Allow him to give you that peace and that joy. Our food for the hands comes from St. Basil the Great. He writes, as the pilot of a vessel is tried in the storm, as the wrestler is tried in the ring, the soldier in the battle and the hero in adversity, so is the Christian tried in temptation. Yeah, temptation is our battlefield. Temptation is our athletic field. Temptation is our ocean, our storm that we come against. Temptation is where we become the heroes of our story. And by becoming heroes of our story, we become heroes in the story. 
the great story. And this is what God asks of us. We ask the same of him. Every time we pray to our Father, we ask that we not be tempted, that we be delivered from evil and delivered from temptation, but it is through and in and with Christ in temptation that we will become better, that we will become better disciples. Think about the disciples on the boat in the storm, for example. Jesus is in you know, the boat. He's asleep. And a great storm comes up and is buffeting the boat. Now, these are hardened sailors, many of them. This is what they did for a living before Jesus called them and asked them to follow him. And they are concerned that they're going to drown, that they're going to perish. So they wake up Jesus finally, by the way, they finally wake him up and they go, don't you care that we're going to die? And Jesus doesn't even answer that question. He just rebukes the storm and it calms down. And he says, oh, you of little faith. Oh, we of little faith, eh? If we are striving, if we're thirsty for righteousness, if we're hungering for it, Jesus will satisfy us. If we're striving to become better disciples, to follow him ever more closely, if we're striving to grow in virtue each and every day, he will satisfy our desire to be better disciples. And in the process, then we will find happiness. We have to constantly be seeking him. Now, we can't be going and looking for trouble, can't be looking for temptation, you know, not going to places and doing things that we know are difficult for us. That's not how it works. Rather, we have to trust that God is going to give us our daily bread and he's going to not lead us into temptation unless it fulfills his will in a way to help us become ever more fully who he created us to be. Now, this whole idea about God's permissive will. So for us, temptations tend to be things that are very difficult, very painful, uh, could be catastrophic. And it's hard for us to wrestle with, okay, God's letting these apparently evil things, bad things happen and they're for my own good? Really? Yes. That's where we have to trust him. That's where we have to have purity of heart so that we can continue to grow in virtue in the way that God desires us to grow in virtue that day. So then we not only are satisfied but then we shall see God because blessed are the pure of heart for they shall see God. Just like the captain of a ship, just like the disciples in the storm, you know, on the sea of Galilee in an athletic competition or in the battle, our growth 
and holiness, our growth in becoming better people, comes through trials of temptation. Now, for those of us who have those thorns in the side, those things that we struggle with all our lives, I mean, I have those, you know, for me, it's humility. You know, I struggle with pride um, and also with anger, uh, not being in control of things. And God uses all of those in order to help me become better. It's very frustrating because I'm like, I'm going to confession, confessing the same things. But the biggest thing is that each time that I confess, he's giving me the grace I need in order to fight that temptation a little bit more the next time. So even if I am struggling over and over and over again, I have been given the grace to be able to see how eh, it might not have only been but maybe one more second or more likely another minute before I lose my temper. But it was that extra second or was that extra minute before I lost my temper. I have become better. I can't perceive it. You can't perceive usually our own growth. But over time, we can. This is why we should be journaling with God. This is why we should be doing an examine. This is why we should be periodically doing an assessment of how am I doing? Where is my prayer life? Where is, you know, my striving to grow in virtue? How is my works of charity? The church actually has us do this in her own way by asking us every Lent to commit, make resolutions of prayer and fasting and almsgiving. This is exactly what the church is asking us to do. Assess your life. Are you putting God first? Are you oriented on the one thing that matters in your life? Are you growing closer to him? Is your prayer time truly committed and set aside? Are you really setting aside the things of this world, mortifying yourself, fasting? But most importantly, are you fasting from your own will? That's the greatest obedience is to be obedient to God's will, not your own. That, you know, to be fasting from my own will is the hardest thing. But to be doing those works of charity, that almsgiving, the church asks us to do this each and every year. There's a reason for the liturgical cycle. So when we are looking at temptation, don't look at it as a negative. Rather, look at it as this is your opportunity to call upon the Lord, just like the disciples did in the boat. They finally called upon Jesus, and Jesus calmed the storm. And things were okay. Jesus would do the same thing for us. And if we rely upon him, then he will help us emerge victorious in the midst of any difficulty or challenge or temptation. This is how God works to help us be satisfied, to help us be able to see him in all things, even temptation. Our food for the feet comes from St. John Newman. He says, We are placed in our different ranks and stations 
not to get what we can out of them for ourselves, but to labor in them for him. As Christ has worked, we too have but to labor in them for him. As Christ has his work, we too have ours. As he rejoiced to do his work, we must rejoice in ours also. I struggle with a couple of pieces of this. You know, most importantly, um, I struggle with uh, rejoicing in whatever work God is placing before me. I'm not exactly thrilled about doing dishes or, you know, cooking dinner or, you know, um, you know, it, it, it's something of where those things are not the things that I necessarily would choose, but those are the things that God knows need to be chosen for me to become who he wants me to be. So for me to rejoice and be glad, to uh, easily, promptly, and with joy choose it, that's the essence of virtue. To be virtuous is to promptly, easily, and joyfully do the good. So in the same way, we have to be rejoicing, not grumbling, not murmuring. We hear about murmuring all the time with the people in the Old Testament, right? God gets them out of Egypt, out of bondage, out of slavery, and they're grumbling because they have the same food. So God then sends them quail or the equivalent of quail. You know, they were grumbling about the, about the manna and, you know, and they're like, Hey, you know, what's with all this bread? We'd like a little, you know, meat here. So God gives them quail and they're still grumbling. We're that way, aren't we? Even when things become easier, even when, uh, you know, things have kind of alleviated, you know, the situation has kind of gotten better. We still grumble, don't we? And that's the thing is that we are put in our different ranks and stations, as St. John, you know, describes it here, not to get what we can out of it, but to labor in those ranks and stations for Christ. Just like Christ worked, we have to labor too. And we tend to, I know it, I do, tend to think that our work should be better or bigger or whatever it is. But we disagree with what it is that God has given us. And becoming better leads to our happiness when we become better at saying yes to God's will of how he wants us to serve the kingdom rather than how I want to serve the kingdom or you want to serve the kingdom. Does that mean that our desires and our hearts are bad? No, absolutely not. But the closer we get to God, the more that we understand our humility, our humbleness, our being poor, recognizing that God knows who we are and seeing that our value is in being who God created us to be, then we're able to find peace even in the midst of the things that are difficult. I always have a choice. You always have a choice about whether we obediently take up the work 
that is before us. Not just for us, but alongside our Lord. And the biggest reason why we should rejoice is because he is there with us. He is here with me. He is here with you. That is what we should be rejoicing at, not at what it is that we're doing. How many of you out there have gone and hung out with a friend, even, you know, maybe you helped them move, for example. Now, moving is hard work. I do not like moving. I do not, I do not. Sam, I am. I do not like moving. Um, sorry, a little, little digression there with Dr. Seuss. But the fact is, is that we, in the midst of hard work, enjoy ourselves when it's spent in the company of people that we love, people that we enjoy, right? And that is how we become better. We become better when we obediently say, yes, Lord, I don't care if I got to sweep the floor, but if I'm hanging out with you, that's okay. Lord, this is the case that even if I'm persecuted, even if I'm insulted, even if all kinds of evil is done against me, I'm actually blessed because you are with me and my reward will be great in heaven. So the choice is ours. Am I going to grumble or am I going to rejoice? Am I going to be obedient and be humble, to be poor in spirit, to be able to become able to see God by being pure of heart? Am I going to continue to hunger and thirst for righteousness so that he can satisfy me? Those are the questions that are before us. These are the things that we are called to each and every day. And this is how it is that as we become better, we do become happier if we say yes. So what might be some resolutions from our conversation today? Well, the first one, of course, is to spend time with our Lord, where you're able to share with him everything, all your fears, your worries, your miseries, your joys, your hopes, but set aside the time to do this each and every day, go and spend time with him weekly or more often uh, before the Blessed Sacrament or in adoration, but spend time. Second is whenever you're confronted with the temptation, don't rely on your own power, but instead immediately ask for God's help. Ask for his intercession. Ask for him to give you the strength to battle the temptation. Finally, how about choosing to rejoice rather than grumble this week? So anytime that you find yourself moving towards grumbling, uh, complaining in some way, instead stop yourself and rejoice instead for the opportunity you have to be present with our Lord in the vineyard. So hopefully those three resolutions will help you be able to draw closer to him and to really find that peace and joy, become a better person and find happiness. Mm -hmm.
So, are you all ready for Lent? Have you determined what you're going to be doing for your prayer, your fasting, and your almsgiving? Or how it is that you're going to draw ever closer to God during this penitential season? Well, one of the things that could really help you is by beginning to put first things first in your life. Or even if you already do this through a plan of life or a rule of life, being able to review and to recommit yourself to those fundamental habits that are going to help you draw closer to God is always a good thing. So check out the First Things First online course. It has 12 short modules. All of them are less than 10 minutes, but they have lots of downloadable resources that help you be able to implement each of the ideas in those modules so that you can reprioritize your life and really focus on the things that matter. And it's cost, that's the best thing. It's pay what you want. So if it's a dollar, it's a dollar. If it's $100, it's $100. That decision is up to you. The fact is, is that putting first things first will totally transform your life. So give that gift to yourself this Lent. Thanks again for spending time with me today. If you have any suggestions for upcoming podcasts, please leave me a voicemail using the link in the podcast show notes. Or you can visit my website at sayyestoholiness.com or send me an email at christinasimmons at gmail.com. I look forward to the opportunity to continue the conversation we've begun here today. In the interim, please know my continued prayers for you and your loved ones, especially that each of us may continue to strive to do whatever it takes in order to grow in holiness as we tell the master of death, not today. I look forward to having a conversation with you again soon. God bless.